Hello everyone, Krista and Hannah here with a brief message before we start the episode. We are on the third season of Keys to Music Learning and we have loved every second. Talking about audiation-based piano instruction is a passion of ours, if you couldn't tell, and we thank you for listening and keeping us going. We recently launched the Keys to Music Learning community. Similar to Patreon, this is a way to support the podcast and access bonuses, such as opportunities to attend podcast recordings and monthly meetings so you can pick our brains with your questions, share your successes, and connect with other teachers. Become a silent partner for only $3 a month or, to access the bonuses, a friend of the podcast for $5 a month. Join today at musiclearningacademy.com slash keys to music learning community. The link will be in our show notes. Thank you all for listening and enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Keys to Music Learning. I'm Chris Yadro of Music Learning Academy. And I'm Hannah Mayo of Hannah Mayo Music. Join us as we discuss common goals and challenges in the piano studio and offer research-based ideas and solutions to guide every one of your students to reach their full musical potential with audiation. We are back with Sarah Boyd. And in the last episode, Sarah, you mentioned that you are studying the history of pedagogy as part of a graduate program. And I'm wondering about what fascinating things you're learning there. And also, uh, in general, what else you've been doing to further your education and continue growing and developing in recent years. Yeah. So thank you for having me back. I would love to just encourage teachers that wherever and however you are able to pour into yourself as a teacher, it's absolutely worth it to seek out education for yourself when the time is right. And you'll know when the time is right. So for me, I started my master's in piano pedagogy, like I mentioned in the first episode, um, in 2007 with Dr. Peterson. And thank goodness I started it then because, like I mentioned, he was pivotal in introducing me to music moves. But I put that degree on hold in 2010. I was actually taking my daughter and driving to pedagogy class, the one where book one was our our, um, course book. Jenny Fisher was watching my daughter for me (laughs) while I was in class. And um, when I found out I was having that my husband and I were expecting our second child, I knew I had to put the master's on hold for a couple years. So yeah, a couple years turned into like 10 years (laughs) because I had two more children during that time. And I always had the goal of finishing that master's that I had started. So I came back to Eastern Michigan University in the fall of 2020 Uh, A silver lining of the pandemic was that graduate music programs were offered online for the first time, and that has made it so much more accessible to me since the actual university is about just under an hour from my house. So yeah, I've been a student again at Eastern Michigan. Right now I'm in history and philosophy of music education taught by Heather Schuldice, and thankfully the main four music education classes in the graduate program there are taught by Heather. So this is my fourth of four classes with her. And she is every bit as wonderful as you hear if you listen to Everyday Musicality, the podcast. Um, She's a fantastic professor. And if you haven't heard of that podcast, I highly recommend 
listening to that one, along with this lovely, lovely, lovely podcast with Krista and Hannah. If you haven't heard Heather's podcast, you what are you waiting for is my question. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and just what a treat to have her as your professor for a oh. graduate level course. Yes, she has been wonderful and being back at Eastern, even though it's a lot to balance, I'm really thankful that um, I decided to go back and I'm glad that I waited when I knew I had to wait. So I know that, you know, it's different for every person. You have to know what you can add to your life, what you can handle. But when, if the opportunity presents itself in any way, but from a webinar up to a graduate degree, I'm learning so much by being a student myself. And yes, the history of piano pedagogy is fascinating and something that, you know, we could talk about for a long time if we wanted to. So in addition to my coursework at Eastern Michigan, I actually also enrolled as a student with Dr. Barbara Lister-Sink at Salem College this year. And yes, I know that sounds really crazy to be doing two different graduate programs at the same time. But they actually do work hand in hand, and I am working through the Eastern degree about one class at a time. Marilyn actually encouraged me to attend the Lister Sync Piano Intensive last summer. It was June 2021, and the workshop was fully online. So I thought, okay, if Marilyn is encouraging me to do this, I need to say yes. And at that point, Marilyn didn't know that I had a plane-related injury, and truly, I didn't know that my injury and my sensation, my hurt and my pain in my right arm was a plane-related injury. So that's all something that I began to learn in that one week uh, piano intensive, which is coming up again this summer. I believe there are in-person and online options for 2022. But because of that one week workshop, I decided there was so much more I wanted to learn. And so I became a student with Dr. Lister Sink this year in her graduate certificate program. And it's a certificate in injury preventive keyboard technique. And it is a wonderful opportunity for anyone who's interested in finding out perhaps more than they might not have realized is a part of playing the piano. Unfortunately, it's really common to have a playing related injury. And for me, I thought that the reason my arm hurt so badly when I played piano um, was just because I, you know, I had like not learned the right technique and it was something that was never going to go away. And I just had to live with it. It actually has caused me to play piano less and less over the past 15 years, although because of Music Moves, improvising is something I've been able to do relatively pain-free because it's a naturally more free-flowing activity. You're not building tension from looking at notation and trying to get the correct fingers that are written down. But because of what I've learned with Dr. Listersink, I've been able to retrain and learn a well-coordinated approach to my whole body at the piano. So I'm a piano student of hers. I'm taking piano lessons. And it's really wonderful to be a piano student. Um, My lessons are online, which I've learned so much, even though they're online. And that's given me a new appreciation for online lessons. 
And as a student myself, I have new appreciation for my students walking in. You know, here they are, and I'm thinking, oh man, I practiced a lot this week, or I only practiced, you know, two different days. And I have new appreciation and understanding for my own piano students, as well as a really really positive experience with being able to heal from my injury. I have been diagnosed with extensor and wrist tendonitis in my right arm from medical professionals, but I now am able to play for about 25 minutes without pain in that arm, whereas it usually flared up within the first two minutes. So because of that retraining, um, I'm able to enjoy playing the piano now, which is really wonderful. That is wonderful. And we'll have to uh, put on the show notes all of this information as well. So if if people that are listening want to attend one of those intensives or even just learn more about it, they um, can know where to go. And I could also mention that one of our Music Learning Academy team members, Scarlett Kerr, is also, I guess I can call her an expert in this, Mm -hmm. um, this technical method. And She has done some webinars as well, so I can make sure to link to those. Yes, she is an excellent teacher of the the ListerSync method. So Sarah, you mentioned you have this new appreciation for online lessons because you're both a student and now a teacher of online lessons, as many of us are. And um, I'm wondering how MLT has been valuable for your in-person teaching, of course, but also for your online lessons. And what does Music Moves bring to the table that other piano methods and approaches perhaps don't? It's been so interesting to be a student online and realize that when you're teaching piano online, you are focused on that student. So when I'm in my lesson with Dr. Lister Sink, she is watching me very closely, of course, listening closely. And I am able to connect with her because she's so personable and she's just a wonderful, wonderful professor. But what I've learned that connects to Music Moves is that our lessons are, we are a student-centered approach. We are bringing, you know, the music environment for the student by beginning with activities that support audiation, songs to sing. And then we are in that environment, allowing the student to bring their musical ideas to the lesson and to the pieces, the performance pieces, perhaps the medley, mashups, duets, arrangements. So truly, since it's such a student-centered approach, I've found it to be very good online. If we had to have our approach to be so much about the notation on the page. And that's not to say that we don't respect and use notation on the page. We absolutely do. But because we're not drawing the sound and the activity of the lesson from the page, we're not starting at the page. We're starting from the body, from the voice, and from the audiation instrument. We are able to you know, fully move and groove with that student. Even though we can't sing you know, at the same time in an online lesson, we can absolutely move together. So when I'm teaching online, you know, many times when my student is playing, I'll say, okay, you know, we've gotten to the point in the lesson where they're going to play a performance piece. And I'll say, okay, you play it and I'll move and then I'll play it and you move. So there's ways for us to almost feel like we are synchronously, you know, in tune with each other, even though we are perhaps in different states. I have 
some great students in different states. New York and Kansas are my are my two different states right now. But I do hope in the future that I'm able to work with more online Music Move students because um, truly you can you can really be you can really be in tune with each other in a way that um, you might not be able to if you were perhaps using a method that started from a different place. Yeah, I'm recalling something I think I remember hearing at the Gimbal Conference, the most recent one that was a hybrid, virtual, and in-person. And someone said, I think it might have been a keynote, I think it might have been Dr. James Jordan, who said that MLT is what got him through the immediate and forced switch to Mm. virtual music teaching. And had it not been for his knowledge of MLT, you know, it might not have been as successful. Yeah, it's it's not something I would really want to do if I was having to, you know, teach in a traditional way. But because Music Moves lessons are so fun, interactive, creative, they can be spontaneous if that's your personality as a teacher. You know, you bring your own personality to the method and it works, which with whatever way that you like to run the lesson. But for me, since I, I love being, uh, you know, spontaneous and thinking on my feet, it's, it's really fun in an online lesson. All right. So Sarah, you have a studio of in-person and some online piano students. You are getting your master's degree. <laughs> you are a student of Dr. Barbara Lister Sink. You have a family <laughs> with four children can you please tell us how you balance it all? Oh, man. <laughs> okay, well, first of all, it pretty much feels out of balance most of the time. <laughs> there's going to be some days that you work hard, and there's going to be some days you play hard. And when I can go all in with my family, I absolutely do. Of course, they're my first priority. But when I, for me, fortunately, I have a very supportive partner in my husband. And it's been a part of our life teaching piano since, you know, we were married. So for me, my family's very supportive of it. And I teach three of my own students, my, my, three of my own children are my students. So, you know, it's, it's like a part of our family. It's like woven into us. You do have to adjust each year. So if you're a, a piano teaching mom or dad, and you're trying to balance with kids, I feel like every year you have to let yourself figure out what's going to work this year. When my when my kids were really little, it worked great to have students from 3 to 6 p.m. because I wanted a break from them because I had been home with them all day. Mm-hmm. But now that my kids are older, it doesn't work great to have students from that time. So I have students um, that are come to my house from 7 to 9 o'clock at night, and those are high schoolers, and that's actually when they want to come. Um, I also have homeschool students, so that's really worked well for my schedule, being able to teach during the day. Again, online lessons work well because many times with time differences, you can work out a time that works great for both of your schedules. But I also had to scale back and make my teaching year smaller. So for me, it's 25 lessons in a school year and six lessons in the summer. Summer is optional for my studio. I encourage an of course, would like my students to take it, but I also like the break with my family. There's several teachers that teach several more weeks than that. And, you know, in a perfect world, I would teach more weeks um, than 25. However, that is what works to help me still have 
a good time with my family during the school year. So yeah, it's about allowing yourself to adjust. And I try to remind myself that saying no is saying yes to something else. I'm not great at that, obviously, because I love saying yes, but I am slowly learning when I do say no, it's meaning yes to what I am involved in. That's a great way to look at it. Um, So in keeping in line with this um, really beautiful poetic advice that you have (laughs) about balancing all, all of the wonderful things that you're balancing, what other advice would you give new teachers who are getting started with audiation based piano teaching? First, I think it's such an exciting time to be a new teacher in the audiation approach, whether that's in music moves or whether that's in early childhood or elementary, whatever your application might be. There are so many resources right now. And like I mentioned, that was probably one of the root causes of my struggles early on. So my first uh, piece of advice would be be connected to community however you can be, whether that means you listen to the podcast every week or whether that means you're a part of the Facebook group asking questions. Don't be afraid to ask your questions. Sometimes it can feel intimidating to put your question out there and know that it might be judged and and possibly criticized and viewed from a way you didn't even mean for it to be viewed. Um, But know that we are a very forgiving and supportive community. And we want to support new teachers. I want to support new teachers. For me, a wonderful thing has been that I actually teach another Music Moves teacher's students right now. And so I get to see this wonderful Music Moves teacher every week. Her name's Hannah Northern. So I'm going to just give her a little shout out. But we usually have a like just five to 10 minute debrief of how our students our, our students are doing and how our weeks are going after I'm finished teaching her um, her children. So even if there's a way for you to find someone um, who can meet you online or, um, you know, be in a book club, of course, the wonderful opportunities with the courses from Music Learning Academy, being a part of a community is, is probably the number, number one goal that you can set for yourself as a new teacher. And then also just know that this is a a learning curve for a teacher. So give yourself time, you know, learn from me and don't just (laughs) jump in with two feet haphazardly expecting yourself to do it all perfectly from the beginning. When I kind of rescaled and reevaluated in 2014, I realized I'm going to pour my energy into doing keyboard games really well. And then those keyboard game students are going to become book one. And then I can pour my energy into learning book one really well. So you can grow with your student. And yeah, just know yourself. Perhaps you love teaching in groups. Perhaps you don't love teaching in groups. Perhaps you like overlapping lessons. I think knowing that there's so many ways you can apply the music moves approach that you know you have the freedom to do what works for you inside of the method. And Um, to feel comfortable making adjustments for what fits you best. I think that's really important. And now for our favorite question, what is your favorite part of teaching piano using an audiation-based approach? So as I mentioned, I I love thinking creatively. I love um, teaching in the moment, being spontaneous. That's just my personality. 
So every lesson feels like a new adventure to me. And even though I have a structure that I know I'm working inside of, I love that I come to lessons with a fresh energy, truly, every time. You know, sometimes you're tired and you've had a, you know, whatever kind of week you've had from the rest of life because life is a lot. And I say to myself, I get to teach piano today. I truly do. I I don't say to myself, oh, I have to teach piano today. It really is a mindset shift for me. And it's because Music Moves is so rich. And as we love to say, we can go deeper with everything. Even this morning, I was thinking how, you know, I'm currently getting um, some students ready for a very neat event that Hannah has invited me to, which is called Arrange Con. I have some students who love to arrange pieces and do it naturally, but I also have quite a a group. I call them my second generation students, the ones that are like sixth to eighth grade students right now. I didn't know to do as much arranging with them early on, even though I knew more of how the lesson could flow. We didn't arrange early on in keyboard games and book one. So they are still feeling new to it as book two and three students. And it kind of hit me this morning. Oh. I should start every lesson with an arrangement for them. So I'm going to try that this next month of April. You know, at the very beginning of the lessons, we we do start with moving and singing. But even before that, I think to even further my own audiation development and my improvising, and also to support their knowledge of the tunes in the books, I want them to be more familiar with, oh yeah, boom, that's Stepping Stones. Yeah, that's Mexican Dance. Um, I will be starting the lessons with an arrangement to model to them so they can hear, hear, this is, this is what these tunes can become. I'm always telling them what they can become, but I don't think I've modeled enough of what they can become. So long answer, Music Moves lessons are always fun. They always change. They always challenge you as the teacher and they make the student laugh and smile. They're just great. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. <laughs> they're invigorating when I'm, they're kind of an escape from mm-hmm. the harsh realities of life. You know, I don't dread teaching piano. I used mm-hmm. to, I had a yep. phase where I would dread having to start teaching piano in the afternoons. Yep. Same. And that just does not happen anymore. Mm-hmm. And in fact, it, it puts me in a good mood. If I'm in a bad mood, it wakes me up if I'm sleepy you know, and like, it's not to say that everything's going to be a hundred percent perfect all the time. Cause there's going to be some days where, you know, you just kind of, it's, you know, you're just that tired or you're just not in the mood, but those are so rare. It's also true that even when it feels like, uh, can I do it today? You know, what your students bring to the table is so much more musicianship and musicality than if they had not been given this opportunity to to develop their audiation instrument. So, you know, like you're saying, the students invigorate the lesson with you. And I just love the things they say to you. Like my favorite quote of all time, it was my first four-year-old student that I mentioned in a different episode. Um, But when he was four, he said to me, I have a song my brain told me. And I just (laughs) love that quote. (laughs) Well, Sarah, thank you so much. This has been a really delightful chat with you, getting to know you better, getting to hear about your journey through audiation and music moves and with your students and your continuing education. 
Um, I'm inspired by you. I think that the listeners will probably be inspired by you as well. So thank you so much for being with us and for chatting with us. Thanks so much. It was so fun to have you guys. And I will be listening to all these episodes because I love getting to hear about our Music Moves community. We have a fantastic community. Thanks so much, Sarah. Thank you, listeners. And we will see you soon.